Welcome back, guys. We got the Selkie Vision Episode 5. All right, that's enough. I told Alex I would let him do the intro, but I don't know. He sucks. Okay, uh, welcome back. Uh, thank you guys all for listening for the last couple episodes. Um, we're going to go ahead and get right into it because we're going to try to shorten these episodes down into 45 minutes rather than an hour and a half like a couple of our episodes have been. But uh, we're going to get right into it. Uh, for the main topic today will be week one takeaways. But to start off, we're going to go ahead and talk about, or I'm going to talk about the uh, Baltimore Ravens' uh, big uh, loss against the Raiders. I know everyone wants to know what my opinion on it is because I feel like that's pretty much when me and football are put together, Baltimore Ravens, that's what everyone thinks about. So I'm going to kind of go in-depth on what I think about the Monday night game. So first of all, first of all, I want to say Alejandro Villanueva lost the game alone, single-handedly. We lost because of him. If he wasn't, if we had a good right tackle, we won the game, no doubt. And it would have been probably 14-21, something like that. Like we would have won by a quite a margin. In my opinion, his feet were slow all day. In the forced fumble in overtime, he went. Carl Nassib went unblocked because Villanueva just didn't pick it up. Uh, the Raiders were running a stun blitz, and yeah, I mean, it was just a rookie mistake that lost us the game. Um, I do I do think the interior O-line played well. Uh, Zeitler played good. Bozeman snapped really well for his first game snapping, and Ben Powers came in after Tyree hit Phillips' injury and played well. Uh, Ronnie Stanley was really rusty coming off the injury, and now uh, new news on Ronnie Stanley. He might be out for a while because now... They don't really know what's up yet, and we're waiting for an update on that. But they're preparing to not play with Ronnie Stanley against the Chiefs Monday or Sunday night. Um, but I think the weapons re- looked good. Uh, Marquise Brown and Sammy Watkins, both known for playing incredible week one games every season. So they both balled out. Uh, but the Ravens need to trust and use Tyson Williams if Le'Veon Bell doesn't come in and play well. And, I mean, it doesn't look like Le'Veon Bell is not going to play against the Chiefs because he just, uh, Devontae Freeman got pulled up before he did. Uh, They might end up pulling both of them up. I wouldn't be surprised if they they did that, but uh, we'll see how long it takes for them to really let Le'Veon Bell kind of go out and try to ball out. But it's very evident that the running back group uh, during that first game was not in sync, and the chemistry was way off with Lamar because they just have not had enough reps in practice. Uh, Greg Roman did not run very many option plays because of that, which is normally how like normally what they do run a lot of option plays because you got Lamar Jackson who can run incredibly. So, but look for more option plays in the future. That'll kind of get better as time goes along. But they just didn't have enough reps because all of the starting running backs got injured. Um, but I'm going to move on to the defense. Wing Martindale, he cannot blitz nearly as much as he was in cover zero when Marcus Peters and Jimmy Smith are out because the only guy that I trust is Marlon Humphrey on an island one-on-one. Anthony Averett, you know, he had his moments He had his moments uh, on Monday night, and so did Chris Westry, but neither one of them are trustworthy one-on-one cornerbacks yet, at least. They have not shown enough, and they have not earned my trust, and they should not have anybody's trust yet. And like overall, both of them played pretty good games, but they're just not ready. They're just not good enough cornerbacks yet, and they're not developed enough and not trustworthy enough to be doing all-out blitzes with cover zero. We just can't be doing that so much because it hurt us a lot uh, Monday night. 
But the D-line did play really well. The Raiders could not run the ball at all. Josh Jacobs, I think, had like 40 rushing yards, something like that, two rushing touchdowns. But that was kind of – that wasn't really due to the D-line. Um, Justin Matabike looked good, who I know Alex knows. I love Justin Matabike. I think he's a future – just an incredible uh, D-tackle. But they did look really well with that Derek Wolf injury out, who is another incredible run stopper. Um, the pass rush looked really good in the first half, but meh in the second half. Um, Odafe away, Justin Houston, they both played really well. Uh, both had one sack on the night. I think Justin Houston, I believe, was a half a sack, but it was mainly him who got there. Uh, Anthony Avert, for the most part, looked really good. Chuck Clark had a really good game. Patrick Queen had a really good game. And then the interior O-line, as I said. Uh, Tyson Williams, a really good game. I wish that we would have trusted him more in the second half, but he stopped playing a lot because... I don't know why they started playing Latavius Murray, but Tyson Williams looked so good when he was playing. And then, obviously, Sammy Watkins in Hollywood. Um, but the bad performances, the ones that made us lose the game, was Alejandro Villanueva and uh, Tavon Young. Those two were mainly the main reasons, mainly uh, Villanueva, but Tavon Young also hurt the team a lot, had a couple bad penalties, um, and he just looked like he was so out of sync. He hasn't really played any football for two years, so... It's not really surprising. And then Brandon Stevens made a lot of rookie mistakes, but he did have his moments, but there was a lot of rookie mistakes in there that did not help out um, in that secondary. But overall, I mean, you know, it sucks that we lost to the Raiders, but for some reason the Raiders always play incredible the first, like, first three weeks of the season every year, and then they always fall off. So I guess, you know, that's the best Raiders we're going to see all year most likely. So I'm not that concerned about it, but the only thing is worrisome is that we got to play the Chiefs next week on Sunday night. So um, an 0-2 start is looking probable, especially with Ronnie Stanley out, and Villanueva is going to move over to left tackle. So that's just great. Villanueva can play blindside tackle now instead of just the right tackle, which he lost the game. But John Harbaugh says he has trust in Villanueva. Uh, I, I really hope so. I really, really hope so. But... Uh, Alex, is there anything you want to add on about the Ravens game? Uh, well, after Dylan, um, your monologue was great. But uh, I think that the Ravens, they just got uh, out-efforted, if that's the right term for that. I mean, the Raiders look like they just played harder, and they came out and they stole a win. And, I mean, that's the nature of football. It's week one. Uh, don't buy into it too much. The Ravens are still a really good team. The Raiders are still a very bad team. It happens. Yeah, so uh, with that being said, we're going to move on to the main topic of the thing. And I'm going to lighten up because I'm sure I sounded a little depressed while I was talking about that. Um, I'm going to lighten up now. And we're going to go ahead and talk about the week one takeaways for fantasy football mainly. And I'm going to start off with the Las Vegas Raiders. And I only got a couple things to say about them. The only receiver on this team with outside is Brian Edwards. Henry Ruggs is a bust, and I have no faith in him becoming a good fantasy option ever. I, I I have lost all faith in Henry Ruggs. I don't think he is a good receiver at all. And, I mean, all he's got is his, be, his speed, in my mind, at this point. I don't know. He didn't really do anything. The only points that he got was, I believe it was like one, like kind of a d- deep throw late in the game, I think. Um, honestly, Henry Ruggs, I have no faith in him anymore. And I don't think he's even worth being on any roster spot in a 12-man league. Uh, I, I agree with everything Dylan just said. So we're going to move on from the Raiders now to the Kansas City Chiefs. One moment. 
I don't know really what Alex. He's trying out a new my, tactic. My here. new tactic here. Yeah. Uh, my it, only not working. Not yeah. working. <laughs> my only uh, worry about the Kansas City Chiefs is uh, Clyde Edwards-Helaire. His role still isn't solidified. Uh, I don't know exactly where he fits in on this offense, even in his second season. Uh, he doesn't get goal line carries. He doesn't get much passing work, which in a pass happy offense is really disappointing. Other than that, this team is exactly who we thought it would be. Yeah, I agree. I think Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I I don't like. I I never have ever drafted him in a fantasy league because I don't trust the Chiefs to run the ball enough, and I don't trust the. I think Hilaire was reached on too much. Um, but I have one other thing to say about the Chiefs, and that is that the only receiver on this team worth the roster spot is Tyreek Hill. Demarcus Robinson isn't. McCole Hardman definitely isn't. No one else, because now that Sammy Watkins is gone, Byron Pringle, they're all three kind of just going to all maybe have a game or two in the season. But for the most part, they're going to be splitting snaps. They're going to be splitting targets. They're going to be splitting everything. Tyreek Hill is the only consistent guy on this team, and I don't think any three of those guys have enough upside or enough just, I don't know, anything. I don't think they'll ever put enough points up for them to actually be worth a spot on your team. But... Uh, we're going to move on to the Denver Broncos. Um, I have two things to say about this team. Is that no offense, stock shoots up with Jerry Judy uh, being injured, along with Tim Patrick and K.J. Hamler. I personally like t- uh, Tim Patrick more than K.J. Hamler. Uh, I, I just think he's, I don't know, I just think he's better. I don't really uh, want to go in too much into detail because we're going to be moving along here. But the next thing I have to say is that I'm waiting on Cortland Sutton. I He had a, a slow week one, but we're going to see how long it takes him to be back 100%. Uh, so we're going to wait on him. But I think he still has upside now, especially with Jerry Judy being uh, injured. He's definitely the number one guy there. It just is uh, we're waiting to see when it really when he starts putting up the number one receiver numbers. Uh, only other thing to add with Denver here is Javante Williams and Melvin Gordon split backfield work the last week. Um, and I know that's not exactly what we were looking for going into the season, but with them playing against Jacksonville this week, they are both good flex plays, playing with confidence. They'll both do good work and uh, pick up Tim Patrick. Yeah, I agree. Uh, the, I think that uh, Javante Williams has huge upside, especially with Melvin Gordon's injury uh, history, because I if Melvin Gordon stays healthy all 17 games of the season, I would be so surprised. But, I mean, they're both solid. I mean, they're both decent bench players, but when they do play the Jags, like Alex said, they're both probably a good flex because they were splitting carries and they were both producing very well. Um, but we're going to move on to the Los Angeles Chargers. And I, I personally, I think you should sell Mike El- Mike Williams while you can. He'll get injured, or he he just won't average 12 targets a game either way. He had a huge game week one, so maybe you can sell him for somebody like, I don't even know, like maybe Marquez Callaway or, I don't know, something yeah, like Marquez that. Marquez Callaway, maybe a Debo Samuel. Eh. No, after after his week one, I don't think anyone Maybe wins. like a Deontay Johnson or Chase Claypool. N- no, no way. No way someone's, maybe Chase Claypool, but not Deontay Johnson. There's no way someone trades that. But maybe a Marquez Callaway because he had a, small, a, a, a slow week one which I think that he'll break out um, eventually because clearly Jameis Winston is going to throw the ball a lot. And so I think that Mike Williams, I think you sell him all you can because I don't think he's going to have a lot of those weeks. He'll he'll have a couple if he stays healthy, but I don't think it's going to be consistent enough. 
the other thing with this game, along with Mike Williams, is 12 targets. Austin Eckler didn't have a single target this game. Uh, for a pass-catching aficionado like he is, uh, that's going to change. So don't fret about uh, Austin Eckler's uh, passing work. Uh, uh, last thing on this team, uh, Larry Roundtree, he's the official backup. It's not Justin Jackson. It's not Joshua Kelly, the fumble master. It's going to be Larry Roundtree, and against Dallas, you should start almost all these weapons against uh, or against Dallas. You should start almost all the Chargers' weapons this week. Yeah, I was just about to say the uh, same thing. I, uh, Eckler had zero targets. That won't happen again probably all season. He gets so many targets usually. Uh, we'll see, though. Maybe it goes down from last year just because of the new head coach, and they maybe fr- might run it differently, but I'm not sure. I think that he'll get more targets f- for sure throughout the season. Uh, but we're going to move on to the Pittsburgh Steelers. Uh, and what I want to say is don't panic on Najee. He played every single offensive snap the first week, and he'll rack up points. If he's playing that many snaps, he'll rack up points. Just being on the field, he'll have his touchdowns. He'll have his receptions. He'll have everything. He just, week one, you know, those big plays and those receptions, they just didn't come. But, I mean, the Bills' defense is improving, so we'll see. They're gonna. He's gonna get his carries and he's gonna get his fantasy points. I think if you can try to trade for him now before week two, because I think he'll probably break out. Some soon, very soon, he'll break out and really show what he's got. And the next thing I have to say is that Deontay Johnson remains the number one receiver in Pittsburgh. I don't think it was really ever in question, but a lot of people they like to think, oh hey, Juju's the number one guy on this team. No, he's not. Chase Claypool's the number one guy. No, he's not. Juju's the third. Chase Claypool is the second. And, I mean, Deontay Johnson is undoubtedly the third or first uh, receiver on this team. The only thing that the bad about him is that he drops the ball way too much. Uh, bad offensive game all around against Buffalo for Pittsburgh. Uh, Najee, Par- Najee Harris only had uh, 5.9 points, uh, PPR points, uh, last week. Uh, he plays Las Vegas, who are going to come off a big uh, – it's going to be a letdown game for them, most likely coming off a big win of Baltimore. So uh, – Really see if you can trade for Najee Harris. Uh, I expect him to have probably punching a touchdown, 80 yards on the ground, maybe 40 through the air. I mean, he had four targets last week, and that can only go up against a bad defense like Las Vegas. Yeah, and I didn't really write anything to say down about the Bills because I didn't have anything big to say, but I do want to say one quick thing is that uh, I think that this year Josh Allen is going to regress from last year. Uh, not not that much, but, I mean, week one, I mean, he just looked sloppy. I, I just think the whole offense really was kind of slow. So that's all I want to say. Um, next up is the Cincinnati Bengals. And um, I want to say one thing, and that is Jamar Chase surprised me. He really did. I did not see him coming out and performing like that. He kind of came out of nowhere from saying that he can't catch an NFL ball to catching – I don't remember exactly what it was, but like to like 110 yards. He had a big game, a huge game. He had an incredible route. I think everyone saw it um, probably already from ESPN and every other sports channel in the nation. Um, completely cooked Patrick Peterson. It was a nasty route, and I mean, it was beautiful. It was fun to watch, even though I hate the Bengals. Um, but I'm still not sold on him to consistently put up numbers because of the depth at the depth at receiver. But I, uh, he did impress me, and Joe Burrow apparently forgot about his kneecap because all both of these guys apparently forgot about their two issues. 
because they just both came out and balled out against the Vikings. You know, the Vikings don't have a great defense, but, I mean, they still balled out, so you got to give them the respect that they deserve. And Joe Burrow clearly, I guess, was back out of nowhere. I was not expecting that. I thought he would be in his head with his knee still. Uh, my opinion on this Cincinnati offense after this game is uh, don't overreact to what happened. Uh, Joe Burrow averaged uh, 9.6 yards per an attempt. If he averaged that all year, he'd be an MVP candidate, which he is clearly not. Uh, the Vikings really uh, peed down their leg at the beginning of the game. They just did not come out ready to play. Uh, the only problem with the pass catchers on this team is one of them's going to have a bad week every week, at least one of them. And this week it was Tyler Boyd. He went three for 32 with no touchdown. That That's not worthy of being in anyone's starting lineup, whether it's your flex or your wide receiver two or three. Don't play Tyler Boyd. Don't play probably Higgins or Jamar Chase until they prove it. You, it's hard to play one of these three guys when you don't know which one's going to be the odd man out. And you're just going to have to wait until later in the season to be confident and play these guys. Yeah, I agree. But uh, from the first week, yeah, the Vikings defense looked really bad, really bad. Um, but I, you know, I, I'm i still not sold on Jamar Chase, like I said, but I feel like Jamar Chase is the number one receiver on this team. And um, I just, I don't, I think that just because, like, Joe Burrow, you know, and Jamar Chase both come from LSU, I think that he's kind of the, his preferred target, Jamar Chase is. So... We'll see, but I, I think going on in the season, Jamar Chase will be that number one guy. But like Alex said, there's someone there. They have three really good receivers, and one of them is not going to perform every week just because you know you can't have three guys putting up 15 points a game. But we're going to move on to the Cleveland Browns, and there's no way that Kareem Hunt keeps up his 17 points per game. There's just no way that will go down drastically, probably down to like a seven point per game average because he's playing behind. Nick Chubb, he might he might have a little more than seven, but I think that it'll be around like seven to ten. I don't think he'll average a lot of points. And also, there's no tight end on this team that's valuable at all. Austin Hooper and David Njoku, I don't think either one of them will consistently put up points, and I don't I don't think either one of them is worth a roster spot in my opinion. Some others they might have a tight end issue and they need one, but I don't think that they're. I, maybe David Njoku's worth a late, like a, a lower bench spot, but I, I don't know. Uh, the takeaways for me against Cleveland is uh, I think Cream uh, Hunt's going to be a good flex option all year. I think he can score anywhere from 10 points to 20 points a game, not our average uh, somewhere between 10 to 12, but he can have those big upside weeks for uh, 20 points. Uh, other than that, Donovan Peoples-Jones is not involved in this offense. Do not roster him. Uh other than that, just wait for Odell to come back. You can't really derive much from this game. Uh, so for the next team, we're going to go here. Who's the next one in the in this division? We'd have the Ravens. I'll the talk Ravens, about my yeah. Ravens takeaways real quick. Uh, this team doesn't throw the ball well enough to start any pass catcher except Mark Andrews. Uh, Sammy Watkins, Rashad Bateman, who else is there? I can't even think of at the top of my head. None of them are worth starting. Uh, they just don't have enough volume. Uh, Lamar Jackson, I don't think, has ever thrown for over 250 yards. And if you can't throw for over 250 yards, you can't it, it, supply it, more than one pass catcher. Just like the last 17 games, but that's all. Oh, okay. <laughs> not, not a large sample size or anything. Uh, lastly, 
Tyson Williams and Latavius Murray are in a 50-50 timeshare. Now, they are, they are on one of the best rushing offenses in football, so if you're okay with that, you can start them at your flex or RB2. But uh, don't feel like uh, either of them are going to be uh, taking off here anytime soon until one wins the job more clearly. Yeah, and also Le'Veon Bell is also in there, and they just pulled Devonta Freeman, so he'll take some snaps uh, next week against the Chiefs. But I want to kind of go back real quick to the Cleveland Browns and kind of argue my point against Kareem Hunt because I don't like him personally. He, in the first week, only had six attempts rushing, and the only reason he put up 17 points is because he punched in a touchdown. Now, I will say the Browns punch in a lot of rushing touchdowns. Nick Chubb also had two rushing touchdowns that game. So uh, Jarvis Landry also had one. Yeah, they... they I, I uh, feel end like around. Kevin, Stefans- Kevin Stefanski just, you know, he uses his weapons well. He uses Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. Probably, I'd arguably say the two like, most talented weapons on the offense. Best one-two combo in the league, probably. Oh, yeah. No, for sure, for sure. They're both great running backs. But I just don't – I don't see Kareem Hunt staying consistent enough. He had three receptions as well. But I don't think that he'll punch in a touchdown every single game. I think that he'll punch in probably a touchdown. I think he'll probably have six, seven touchdowns on the season, which is not enough for me to consistently play him on a roster. Uh, we're going to move into our next division here. We're going to go into the AFC uh, AFC South. Uh, the low, sole leader of the division now is the Houston Texans. God, that feels wrong to say. Uh, anyways, from Houston, the only thing you can say from this game is only play, play Brandon Cooks. I don't care that Mark Ingram got 26 carries. Uh, I don't care that uh, Mark Ingram, Philip Lindsay, and Duke or David Johnson all scored touchdowns. None of them are start-worthy. They're not going to play bad teams like that every single week. And in fact, they play the Browns next week. So I'm not very confident in this team scoring over 20 points next week. So if that being the case, Brandon Cooks is about the only player you can start on this whole team or even roster. I feel like very, very low-end roster spot. I think that Phillip Lindsay could be worth it because I think he will elevate himself into that number one guy later on in the season because I think they, they've said that that is their number one. So I think that Philip Lindsay, Lindsay is a lower end bench spot player for your fantasy team, but I don't, I don't. People were picking up Mark Ingram, Mark Ingram off the waivers. I was like, why? Like he's not going to produce all season, and he probably won't produce anything for half of his games. But we're going to move on uh, to the Jacksonville Jaguars, and I don't know why. I don't know why Urban Myers wants to run Carlos Hyde nine rushes and James Robinson only five. I don't understand it. Carlos Hyde, no. James Robinson is a way better running back. He's actually talented. And I, it makes no sense to me. And Urban Myers, I think, will run this team to the ground. And they're already in the ground. So I think he's just going to keep running him more and more into the ground. I don't like it, Urban Myers as a head coach in the NFL at all. Everything that he's done has just proven me right on that. He's done nothing right. It's unbearable. He took Travis Etienne in the first uh, in the first round when they already have James Robinson, and he also said that he would have took Kader- he wanted Kadarius Tony there, a huge re- reach, and obviously Dave Gettle- Dave Gettleman reached for the Giants. Like, I don't know what he's doing. I James Robinson should be an incredible fantasy player this year because of that Travis Etienne injury, but Urban Myers thinks let's run Carlos Hyde as our starting running back. It makes no sense. I don't get it. Uh, I understand the thought process behind Travis Etienne after watching this first game, 
Uh, James Robinson into the game with six targets, and uh, if you've watched anything about James Robinson, he does not look that natural catching the football. So I understand the role they had meant for ETN, but now that there's no one to play it, they almost need to scrap it because he's not very efficient with those six targets, uh, totaling only three catches for 29 yards. Uh, other than that, all three main receivers on this team, Chark, Marvin Jones, and LaVisca Chenault, should be pretty valuable with all the passing volume going around. Uh, uh, respectively, they got 12, 9, and 9 for targets. And uh, with those target numbers, you can have a good week any single week. Uh, lastly, only other takeaway from this game is uh, keep an eye out for James O'Shaughnessy. He might be a productive uh, fantasy tight end in deeper leagues. Uh, last week, he went 6 for 8 for 48 yards. You know, that's not going to win you the week, but it's certainly not going to hurt you. And uh, I don't really uh, bank on uh, Chris Manhurts catching a 22-yard touchdown every week. I plan on that going to O'Shaughnessy more often. Yeah, I think the only guy that I still don't, like, trust as a receiver on the Jags is DJ Shark. I still think that he's the third guy there, and I don't think he's going to punch in very many touchdowns this year. But, I mean, they're all going to get targets, so whatever. But... Um, back to what he was, what you were saying about the Travis Etienne pick. I mean, if I understand what they were doing with the role, because I mean, it definitely helps the team with pass catching because neither Carlos Hyde or James Robinson is a pass catcher. But I just think there's a lot bigger needs on the defense, on the offensive line. There's a lot more. Instead of a backup running back, you could take so many more players in the first round that would benefit your team miles more, miles more. But, um, uh. Okay, yeah, we're gonna move on to the Arizona Tennessee game. All right, uh, we're gonna we're gonna stick with they. We'll stick with the AFC South here. We'll finish out with them and uh, uh, the Tennessee Titans and the Colts real quick. But for Tennessee, uh, act like this game never happened. Don't take anything from it. It didn't happen. They never played it. Just act like it was a COVID COVID canceled game. Don't take anything away from it. Dylan, do you have anything to add on to that? I want to add one thing, and it's not about the Colts because I still I still trust the Colts, and I think they'll do good. Oh, I'm talking about the Titans. Just don't. Oh, you're talking about the Titans. Titans. Okay, Just scrap I thought you that were talking. Oh, sorry guys. Uh, yeah. Uh, sorry about that. I thought you were talking about the uh, Colts because obviously the Colts had some COVID issues during training camp. But uh, let's let's finish out before we talk about the Arizona Tennessee game. Let's finish out the oh, AFC the Colts. Okay. Um, so we'll just briefly talk on the Colts game. Uh, I don't really take anything about. I don't take anything away from the Colts because they did have Eric Fisher out on left tackle, and they w- clearly were out of sync because of the COVID issues in training camp. And I want to say the, the Seahawks and the Steelers; those two teams you can never underestimate. I underestimated the Steelers, but I'm naturally going to do it because I'm a Ravens fan. So, but both of those teams they always win, and I hate it. I hate the Steelers winning, but the Seahawks they can win. I don't really care. Uh, with the Colts, uh, there's no clear number one wide receiver still. Um, the only takeaway you can really have from this game, fantasy-wise, is both Naheem Hines and Jonathan Taylor will have value regardless of the game script. Uh, both having are having uh, seven and eight targets, respectively. They will both have value with that target amount every single week. Yeah, and uh, I don't really have... Okay, yeah, moving on to the uh, Tennessee-Arizona uh, game now. Um, I mean... Wow, it was. <laughs> I'm just gonna act like wow. that game never existed for fancy purposes. Yeah, that game was just that game was interesting. I'll tell you that much. If Chandler Jones could be on a fantasy team, I mean, shoosh, you won the league al- alone with him. But um, I'm gonna. Yeah, you can go ahead and talk. I don't have much to say about uh, it. Yeah, Tennessee, just forget the game. Um, for the Cardinals, 
Uh, don't really buy too much into anything that happened. Kyler Murray's not going to have five touchdowns every single week, as much as we'd all love for love for him to have that. Uh, try to sell high there on Christian Kirk. I don't think he really has substantial value past this one week. Uh, A.J. Green looked very washed uh, in his targets and in his route running abilities. Uh, the only other thing that I do like from this Cardinals game, Cardinals game to hold on to is the amount of carries James Conner got. He got 16 carries. Uh, that's really promising. Um, that equals red zone touches and touchdowns. Uh, that's going to be productive on your fantasy team. He is worth putting in your flex every single week. Yeah, I wouldn't say I, I have him on my bench in one of my fantasy leagues, and I mean I'm I'm not I'm not sold into putting him on a flex every single week, but I, he did get a lot of carries, and so I'm gonna hold on to him for sure, and I'm excited to see what he brings because I hope he becomes a a solid flex player because there's a good chance if he starts punching in touchdowns he could be. Um, I do have one thing to say for the Cardinals, and I you know I know you said don't buy too much into the Cardinals offense, but. I personally think that Kyler has a chance to be number one fantasy QB. He's got the potential to be it. I'm not saying he will, but I think I'm saying he has the potential just because of how much he runs the ball, and they do a lot of passing touchdowns, a lot of passing touchdowns, and those two things equal fantasy points. But that's all I got to say on the Cardinals. We're going to move on to the Philadelphia Eagles, and I want to say don't overreact to anything about this offense because I want to wait until they play against the defense because, I mean, they were playing 11 on probably, it felt like an 11 on 7. Like, I don't buy into Jalen Hurts yet. I want to see him against a good defense because I really, I'm not sure on him yet. I'm still 50-50 on him completely. And I don't, I mean, the only person that I kind of really, that game really affected my opinion on was Devontae Smith. I think that Devontae Smith... You know, he definitely it definitely boosted my confidence with Devontae Smith. It just to see him put a, a touch to, uh, put a uh, a play in the or uh, excuse me catch a touchdown. And you know, I have him on a bench on another fantasy league, so I hope he does good. Uh, we'll see on him though. I'm not set on him yet, but I do. My confidence went up in him from that game. Uh, I think all the stock in uh, Philadelphia players would go down this week. Uh, they play San Francisco. Uh, tough defense, uh, even though they lost Jason Verrett uh, due to, a, I think, a torn ACL or Achilles. I don't remember which one. But regardless of whatever it was, they don't have him anymore, but that defense is still pretty uh, pretty talented. Uh, my only other takeaway that Dylan didn't mention here is Kenneth Gainwell's uh, involvement in this game. I know the game script was heavy in the favor of the Eagles, but he still walked away with nine carries, a touchdown, and then three targets. Uh, that can potentially be some value. He's worth picking up. Um, but don't have the craziest expectations of them. It just depends on always what the game script will be for them. Yeah, I, I, I thought about saying something about him, but, I mean, Kenneth Gainwell, I, I mean, not that entertaining to talk about, but we're going to move on, Dallas Cowboys. And the only thing I have to say is don't freak out on Zeke because, I mean, he'll get his carries and he'll get his points. The Bucks front seven is incredible. Uh, only other thing for Dallas, neither tight end on their team is going to be worth a starter. Either we Dar- Dalton Schultz or uh, Blake Jarwin, uh, neither of them are worth starting. They are worth rostering in case one goes down potentially, but don't ever worry about starting one of them. You can find better streaming options. Yeah, and uh, both of the starting wide receivers, uh, Amari Cooper and CeeDee Lamb, as long as Dak stays healthy, they are players for they're fantasy. incredible they are players for fantasy i'm just worried that that Dak won't stay healthy but now he seems good with his shoulder now so 
it, right now everything's good as long as he didn't break another leg. Um, um, but we're going to move on to the Niners. Um, and I got two things to talk about, and they're both the wide receivers. First of all, Debo Samuel. Wow. You're good until you're hurt. So, nice job. I mean, they use Debo so incredibly. Like, Kyle, Han- Kyle Shanahan is such a good coach. He knows how to use his players to the best of their ability, and he uses Debo incredibly. Um, but until he gets hurt, he'll be a great fantasy option. But now I want to talk about Brandon Ayuk. This situation is so confusing. Um, I'm pretty sure it's the hamstring, but is it, though? We're not 100% sure. He only played 42% of the snaps compared to Debo's um, above 90% snap snap count. I'd probably give it a week before you think about starting Ayuk um, just to figure out what is wrong with the hamstring and what is just, like, what will be his snap count and what will be his targets next week. Um, I want to see that because I'm not... I'm not entirely sure how long it'll be until his hamstring is fully healed up and he's good to go. And I want to see him put actual fantasy points up because he put a big old stinking zero, and I had him in my flex, so that was painful. Yeah, you lost to my dad, Dylan. That's kind of embarrassing. Look, I literally lost only because of Brandon Ayuk and then Calvin Ridley and Allen Robinson. They both didn't have very good games. I mean, it's not Allen Robinson's fault. He was guarded by Jalen Ramsey, and he has Andy Dalton as a QB. Listen, all I'm hearing is that you don't know how to start your lineups. Anyway. No, no, no. Just hey, look, wait, give it until Justin Fields is in the game, bro. And then I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney, they're gonna they're gonna go off. They are. It's gonna happen. All right. To continue on the 49ers, uh, the running back situation just got a little murkier here with uh, uh, Raheem Mostert out for the year with his little knee injury. Um, so prayers out for him, but. Elijah Mitchell with his sub 4-4 speed and Trey Sermon are going to compete for carries here. Uh, both of them in a run-heavy offense. You could start both of them next week with, semi, with some confidence. Um, but until after this game, we won't really know who's going to be the main guy. But they do play Philadelphia, so they both might get uh, a lot of yards and a lot of carries due to the game script. They moth. They moth. <laughs> yeah, I have them both on my fantasy team. So, what? Pretty much, it's just picking which one is going to be the one to produce. But, um, I uh, sorry, uh, we're going to go back um, a team, and we're going to talk about the LA Rams. Skip them on my paper. But the only thing I have to say, Cooper Cup is a fantasy stud. He's a stud. He and consistency king. I mean, he just he racks up points every week. Uh, I, the one thing I'm really scared about on this team is uh, Daryl Henderson. His involvement was very questionable last week. Uh, he had a 94% snap share and still found a way to not be involved in the passing game. Uh, that's kind of terrifying for his value, his potential value. Uh, so let's hope that uh, they find a way to involve him. But if he only gets one target and 94% of the snaps, it shows that McVay is not really interested in and, uh, adding him. So. We'll see if uh, Sonny Michelle takes over more of the running role, and if he does, Daryl Henderson might be a big week one dud for the rest of the season. Yeah, I just traded for him. Um, I got I got offered uh, Tyson Williams for Daryl Henderson straight up. I had to take it, mostly because I want to use him as a trade piece, but no one's biting yet, so we'll see how that goes. But I'm really because I, I don't trust him either, so I want to get him off my team as soon as possible before his stock falls down. But we're going to move on to the Seattle Seahawks. All I've got to say is that 
I believe that Tyler Lockett is the number one fantasy receiver on the Hawks. I I think that he just consistently puts up points out of nowhere every single week. Russell Wilson obviously loves Tyler Lockett, to, and I still think that he's Russell Wilson's number one receiver. Uh, I think Lockett and Metcalf are pretty even. They both had five targets. Lockett caught five for five. Uh, over 100 yards, Metcalf caught uh, five for uh, or four for 80, um, but they're both about equal. Both had touchdowns. Russell Wilson had a great game on low volume but high efficiency. Uh, last takeaway for the Seattle team is Rashad Penny can be dropped. Uh, it was all Chris Carson. It was the Chris Carson and his quads show. Um, other than that, this team is exactly who they thought we would be. Yeah, I I think the only reason I would take Tyler I I think that Tyler Lockett is just a little bit above DK is because he gets more touchdowns and he gets more. Um, I I just I don't know. He always finds a way to be open. I'm hearing a week one overreaction right now. It, it's a, it might be a little bit of an overreaction, but it's also thinking about I just when you watch the Seahawks play it like. Tyler Lockett always finds a way to get open in the end zone, and he catches every ball. It's incredible. Um, but we're going to move on to the Vikings, and all I have to say is, how does Adam Thielen get keep? He gets every touch, and I don't, it's ridiculous. I don't get it. You know, he was one of my fantasy busts, and I'm going to stick with it because I still I don't believe that he can continue getting two touchdowns every single game. It makes no sense. And until you know the Bengals defense. They're not great, so I'm not going to overreact to it yet, and I'm going to stick to him as my fantasy bust. But, man, he just is so – I don't know how he gets every touchdown. It's ridiculous. Yeah, as a, as a just Jefferson owner myself, it is a little disappointing. But Kirk Cousins, 350 yards, uh, multiple touchdowns. I mean, that's an elite option for fantasy. Don't be scared to play Kirk Cousins against uh, bad defenses. Uh, he puts up elite numbers every single time. Uh, other than that, uh, KJ – is it KJ Osborne? Yeah. K.J. Osborne, yeah, he can be rostered. Nine targets, I believe. Um, that can be supported every week if he keeps getting that volume. He's a fringe flex player am, every week with I those hearing, numbers. Am I hearing an overreaction, as you, as you just told me? I He was on the I, field a lot, to be yeah, fair. He was, but I want to see I want to see one more week. I want to see him produce against a better defense than the Bengals. Is he not worth rostering, you think? or It, it really depends how deep you're – like, my team, no – uh, because I I love my my depth on my de- on my bench, but on I mean I, maybe on some teams. Oh, so teams like mine, he's worth rostering. Yeah, maybe <laughs> maybe on some teams. Like if you have a backup quarterback, like why why I don't. First of all, I don't know why people keep backup quarterbacks. Like I don't I don't ever to be honest, because I think that you can find somebody that'll put up twenty points every single week in the waivers. But moving on, Chicago Bears, and like I was saying earlier. Be patient with Allen Robinson and Darnell Mooney. Justin Fields will come in and be their savior. It, it'll happen. Just wait. It'll happen. Uh, this offense will continue to struggle under Andy Dalton, like uh, Dylan's alluding to. Um, the only guys that are pass catchers or playmakers on this team that are worth rostering is uh, Montgomery, Allen Robinson, and Money with two O's, in that, which is Darnell Mooney. Other than that, no one on this team, Cole Komet, uh, Tyreek Cohen, none of them are worth rostering. Yeah, I mean, David Mon- Mon- Montgomery looks really he good. He looks so talented. If he, he wasn't slower than a turtle, he would be the huge. best player in football. He looks really good. And he came out of nowhere, really. Like, Yeah. His yeah, college tape isn't that good, but he, man. He looks really good. Um, but we're going to move on to the Packers. And uh, don't panic on any guys on the Green Bay Packers. They'll be fine because it, it – 
it just seems like the Saints like to win fit thirty eight to three with when they're huge up underdogs. They beat the Bucks last year thirty eight to three too. I don't know why what what's special about thirty eight to three, but uh, Jameis Winston looked really good. He looked good, but he did not have a lot of passing yards, but a lot of passing touchdowns. Uh, with the Green Bay game, uh, I'd like to say my uh, prayers and condolences, uh, my deepest ones, actually, to the Detroit Lions on Monday Night Football. They are going to get mollywopped. Uh, <laughs> it will be embarrassing for them. I, I wouldn't say that so quickly because the Lions always fight with the Packers, always. Anyways, like I was saying, Green Bay is just going to absolutely tear them apart. <laughs> I'm so sorry for the Lions, uh, but uh, Green Bay is going to have a uh, comeback. I don't I don't know. I think any other team in the NFL, like any other mid, just even a mid-tier team, I think a mid-tier team. But the Lions always fight with the Packers, always. I, I don't know why. They always stay close. Uh, I'm also going to touch on uh, the New Orleans. Since they played New Orleans this week, I'll touch on them too. Uh, Tony Jones Jr., uh, he's going to be a guy that you should roster. Other than that, uh, no players really startable in this tight end receiver room except – or no players really rosterable in this tight end receiving room other than, uh, of course, Michael Thomas on your IR spot. Uh, but uh, Adam Troutman's still there, and uh, Marquez Callaway. I, I was about to say, are you just going to leave Marquez Callaway out? Well, Marquez Callaway had a really rough week. I know he was shadowed by Jair, but still, it's still disappointing to see him get. I'm not. I'm not worried about at all. I think he'll still be a good. I'm not flex worried. Player. It's just disappointing. I thought he was a little better than that. Yeah, but Jair Alexander is really, really good. So, um, but we're going to move on. Tampa Bay Buccaneers, there's no running back on this team that's trustworthy, and A.B. is still a stud. 26 fantasy points um, versus the Cowboys on Thursday night football, and he's arguably the number one receiver on the Bucks. Personally, I, I think he is. I would rather have him than Godwin or Evans for fantasy and just a player in general. Uh, that's another overreaction, Dylan, I, in my... I don't look. You have him on your team. You should be supporting me here. But I, I don't know. I think that I think Tom Brady loves. I think Tom Brady loves AB. Uh, Chris Godwin had 14 targets. Uh, that's all that needs to be said. I feel like in regards to who's the number one on this team. Uh, in regards to Mike Evans, don't worry about it. He does this every year. Don't sell low on him. He's gonna do this. He's gonna have games where he just disappears. But that's a thing you shouldn't worry about. As a Mike Evans owner, you'll realize that's gonna happen constantly. Uh, other than that, no RB has value on this team. Don't start any of them. Uh, all the halfbacks there just uh, make find a way to make Bruce Arians mad, and he doesn't hand them the ball. Yeah, and they don't need to, though, because they have three incredible wide receivers. Uh, and, I mean, Gronk is playing pretty well, too. Um, but we're going to move on. Carolina Panthers. The only thing I have to say is that Robbie Anderson is slipping down the depth chart for the Panthers with Terrace Marshall coming in. Uh, uh, whatchamacallit? Terrence Marshall Jr. Or, no, oh, DJ Moore. Yeah, DJ. I don't know why I just blanked. Um, uh, if it wasn't for one big 57-yard touchdown last week, he would have had zero receptions. He would have done nothing. He's slipping down, and I don't. I, I don't know. Like I think he's a good player, but I, he just he didn't he didn't have any receptions. He had one. He only had one, and it was a huge play. So it made him not a fantasy bust for the week one. But that's it. So I'm not I'm not sure I'm not sure how much he'll get throughout the season. Uh, Christian McCaffrey uh, looked absolutely amazing. Was the running back one on the week without even having a touchdown? That's only been done I think one other time, and that was by him himself again. Yeah, he looked. He, I mean, it's Christian McCaffrey. He's so good at everything. 
Yeah, no, he's a complete pass catcher. But that pass catching ability is going to make Sam Darnold a really good fantasy quarterback this year. As much as Dylan doesn't like this take. No, I never said I don't like it. I just think it's really hard to put Sam Darnold in a one QB league. It's really hard. Well, you could have done it last week because Sam Darnold didn't have a terrible week last week uh, with a rushing touchdown and a passing touchdown. Uh, That's called fantasy value right there. Uh, So keep your eye out on Sammy Sammy D. Uh, I don't know if he's worth rostering completely yet, but uh, we'll see what he does this next week coming up. I, I think maybe if you have like a guy like starting on your team like Matt Ryan or somebody. Who I started last week and still won. Yeah, yeah. If you have a guy like Matt Ryan or something like that, then maybe get him on your bench and see how he does for the next couple of weeks and then maybe elevate him to that starting role. But speaking of Matt Ryan, the Falcons, the last team we're going to talk about here today. And I want to say two things. First of all, Calvin Ridley will break out eventually. Okay, he I think ha- he's already broken out. Has I, he no, not? okay, no. As a fantasy player, as a fantasy player, did he not like do that last year? Either? No, he, he, like did, no, he did not. I'm talking about just this year. I'm, oh, okay, I'm not okay. talking about. I'm not talking about last year. Just this year, he had a bad week one, and it'll it'll spark. The sparks will happen. The Falcons stunk all together Sunday. Everything about the team stinky, stinky. You got blown out by the Eagles. Stinky. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Unbar- embarrassing. That's ridiculous. And then second thing is, Kyle Pitts will be a bust in fantasy. And I know Alex was saying it. I know we've both been saying it because, I mean, both him and Hayden Hurst, they both had four receptions week one. They're going to use Hayden Hurst, and rookie tight ends never have good seasons in their, like, rookie season. So he, he'll be a bust for sure. Like, it, it's almost a guarantee at this point. Uh, I have a little more positive <laughs> opinion on Pitts after watching this game. Uh, he ended with eight targets. Uh, not that that's an elite where you drafted him spot. Uh, like He's not worth where you drafted him. But eight targets is still going to get it done. He'll be a top 12 uh, tight end with eight targets if he gets that every week. Uh, two other takeaways. Russell Gage, you can drop him. He laid a complete goose egg in my flex this weekend and made me want to cry a little bit, but he should be <laughs> dropped. Uh, lastly, Mike Davis did everything we wanted. Did you? I don't know if you saw him play much, but he looked very electric running the ball, hit the hole hard. He also got yeah he got 15 carries and six targets. I mean that's a lot of workload for a guy we didn't think is going to be involved too terribly much. I I want to say a few things. First of all about Mac Davis, you know yeah he did impress, but I'm still not I'm not sold on him solely because that whole I mean Calvin Ridley you know he's going to be the main focus on that offense. He wasn't uh, he only had like I believe it was like 58 yards or something like that with like three receptions. He did have eight targets, though. Yeah, he d- yeah, but he'll have more more targets, more receptions, more yards, more touchdowns, more everything, and it'll take away from uh, like Kyle Pitts, and I think Hayden Hurst will take away from Kyle Pitts, and I think Mike Davis he'll be a good running back this year, um, arguably an RB two this year. I don't think he's an RB one, maybe a flex spot. He's definitely not an RB one. He's obviously not, but um, are. Argue- I'm. I don't know. I'm really not. I don't. I don't know yet on Mike Davis. I the game see. script couldn't have been any worse for Mike Davis. He did lose with what thirty-two to six. So the game script can't get any worse. And if he's getting that much production and that many points on such a bad game script, he looks like he'll be a solid fantasy option week in and week out. Yeah, I just. I want to see. I want to see what it looks like in a like close game. But um, we'll see. Because I'm, I'm not sold on him yet. All right, one last thing here, guys, before we wrap it up. We're going to make our Thursday night football prediction. We have the Washington football team 
they are the football team, uh, versus the New York football giants. Dylan, who do you have winning this game, and what's your score prediction? Uh, well, you go first because you kind of—I didn't know we were going to do this, so let me think about it for like a minute. I have Taylor Heineke, the Old Dominion standout himself, leading the football team to a thirteen to twenty-one win over the New York football. <laughs> I thought you were going to say like thirteen to three. I was like, I can't wait for that game. <laughs> it's probably going to be somewhere around that. But I have a thirteen to twenty-one. Uh, I think uh, uh, Antonio Gibson punches in a few touchdowns, but uh, and then. There's one lone passing touchdown by Heineke. Uh, I think Daniel Jones is going to play bad against that pass rush. Uh, but other than that, I think uh, the football team kind of runs them out of the field or runs them off the field. Yeah, this the um, the spread for betting purposes is minus three right now, which I think is a bit close. Um, I think it's an overreaction on Taylor Heineke starting because I think Taylor Heineke is not that far behind Ryan P- Fitzpatrick. So... I w- I'll say my score prediction, I think maybe just a little bit closer, just because of how, like, I don't know. I think it'll be a really low-scoring game. I think the line is at, like, 41 one points, which Ugh. is so low. Yeah, Thursday night football. But I think that even has a chance to go under. Like, that that is such a low number. And i take the under on it. Oh, yeah, I would, too. I, mean, I don't think they'll both – I don't think both teams will score 20 points. I think there's probably no way that the, the football team lets the Giants score 20 points unless, like, Saquon like grows a third quad maybe but I don't know score prediction we'll say Washington football team wins and I don't know I I will say we'll go with 20 to we'll go with 20 to 16 2016 all right so we're smashing we're smashing the uh the football team minus three and a half and the under and I yeah I think I don't know. I, I hate picking the number 16. I'm going to take that back because 26 and 16 always get used by all these NFL analysts when they're be- when they're like predicting games. But when you look at actual games, those two scores just never happen. They happen rarely. And for some reason, especially Cynthia, man, gosh, Cynthia, <laughs> she's so stupid. She <laughs> she's- Three-fourths of the games, she picks 26 to like... 22 or something like that and every single game it's ridiculous i don't know what she's doing she's looking for that scoregami if you get that reference you get it <laughs> um, but so i'm gonna change it i'm gonna go 20 to we'll say let's see I, I think they they probably kick two field goals we'll take 20 to i don't think they punch in a touchdown I'm, I'm gonna go 20 to 9 20 to 9 all right you heard it here first guys from the selkie vision yeah that's all for today thank you guys for tuning in We're going to be back every single week. Hopefully, we're going to have a more consistent schedule with the releases of these episodes. Ideally, I think it'll be um, every Friday, I think, will be when these episodes start getting uh, released. Somewhere around probably somewhere around 12 to 1 p.m. EST. But I probably didn't even need to say EST because I think everyone listening to this is going to my school. So they're obviously (laughs) in the Eastern time zone. But... Yeah, uh, thank you guys for listening in. Uh, we'll be back next week for episode six where um, I'm, I'm not sure what we're going to talk about, so that'll be entertaining. I'm going to guess something about week two, but don't hold me and on maybe, that. Maybe, maybe, but I don't, I don't want to every week be talking about week two takeaways, week three takeaways, but it might be. We'll see if we come up with a brilliant thing to talk about. But that's all for today. Thank you guys for tuning in, and we're out. Peace out. No. Oh, oh God. That's all for this episode of the Selkie Vision. Thank you guys all for listening and tune in for more on wrft.org slash 2021 podcasts.